Most other times, when I have heard today's gospel reading, where the Sadducees try to trap Jesus with the story of a woman who was married to seven brothers in succession, my thoughts have snagged on one little point. Didn't brother number four or number five see what was coming? I mean, after the third sibling dropped dead, you'd think they'd recognize a pattern and maybe change course a little, drop this whole lineage thing. The poor woman was clearly unlucky in love. Why be next in line? But hearing this passage over the last few years, and perhaps a little less flippantly, my focus turned to the woman, tossed down as she was from brother to brother. She may have married for love that first time, but after losing her husband, her feelings became irrelevant, swept up as she was in the current of what was then called leveret marriage. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 25, verses 5 through 10, stated that when a man dies and has no son, his brother shall marry the widow and thus carry on his name by proxy. So the widow's desires are subsumed under the need to preserve a dead man's name by birthing his son. Moreover, marrying her husband's brother kept their land and their property within the immediate family. If she married outside the family, the property may go with her. Now the wife did also benefit as remarriage stabilized her life and saved her from the precariousness of widowhood. Still, leveret marriage made it clear that her importance was as a vessel of male lineage, not as a distinct person, and her own desires and hopes were often discarded. The Sadducees concoct this scenario to trick Jesus. He'll either have to negate this law of Moses found in Deuteronomy, or he will slip up while trying to explain the afterlife. In the resurrection, they ask, whose wife will the woman be? But Jesus just slices through their trap and answers directly. There is neither marriage nor death in the resurrection. Rather, everyone is like an angel and a child of God. Now, this is the first time I've heard that part of the reading. I'd always been so preoccupied with the story of this woman and her seven husbands and trying to figure that out (laughs) that I missed this grace-filled pronouncement from Jesus, we will all be like angels. Like the Sadducees, who don't believe in resurrection, I got caught up in the details of this story and let them obscure the profound message being offered. Perhaps like some of you, I sometimes linger on minutia to avoid the larger implications of our Christian faith. Did we use the proper vestment color on the altar for this Sunday? How dare she sing Christmas carols during Advent season? (coughs) Which I'm sure some of you have heard. (laughs) As for the afterlife, rather than thank God with all my heart for the gift of resurrection through Jesus' sacrifice, I sometimes find myself wondering, can we eat cake and not get fat in heaven? (laughs) Or... Can I finally catch up on my Netflix queue? (laughs) As if that's what Jesus died for, to satisfy all our cravings and resolve our unfinished projects. 
Is that the best we can manage for heaven? Well, maybe we get stuck on these trivial musings because we're avoiding a more profound question, um, the elephant in the room, if you will. What is the resurrection? Now, I have sometimes preached about doubt from this pulpit, and I still struggle at times to believe in the resurrection, by which I mean the bodily return to life of Jesus and the subsequent promise of an afterlife for all of us. But, you know, for reasons I cannot explain quite honestly, my doubts are falling away. Not completely, but it's just, they're just not the stumbling block they once were. So I wonder how some of you feel about the resurrection and the afterlife. Like, really? I imagine that for many of us, it's not really front and center when we think about our faith. Maybe because there's not a lot we can do to prove or disprove it, it's you know, hard to engage head on. Maybe we're afraid to look at it for too long for fear that we would realize our faith is actually on shaky ground. Or maybe it's not a problem for you at all, but a foregone conclusion that you accepted early on in your life of faith. Whatever the case, each of us accepts the resurrection at whatever level we can and then most likely moves on, choosing instead to engage our faith in more concrete ways, like participating in a faith community or trying to help those in need as well as we can. I think that's fine. But I would invite you to take on a little homework from your rector this week. Listen carefully. At some point, when you have a spare moment, and we can all find a spare moment, Sometime this week, find a comfy spot, sit down, and close your eyes. Listen to your breathing for a full minute. Don't fall asleep. Then I invite you to engage God in a conversation by saying something like this. Hello there, God. It's me. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know my stuff. I wonder if I could ask you a favor. I want to know the resurrection more fully. Or maybe just to have it be more deeply a part of how I live my life of faith. Right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, dear God, my belief in the resurrection is about a fill in the blank. Could you help me up that a notch or two? Whatever level you think I need to be more settled in my belief, more focused on you, please guide me. I don't mean I need proof. But help me inch closer to being that angel Jesus says I will be in the new age after this life. Help me to embrace you more fully in this life rather than holding back as I often do. Thanks. And then sit there and breathe for one more minute. Be still and listen to what might be revealed. Then open your eyes and go about your day. Now, if that feels weird to you or makes you uncomfortable, fine. Do it anyway. If that seems too simplistic for you or if you've already settled the matter of resurrection in your mind, fine. Do it anyway. We all need to touch base every once in a while on this central tenet of our Christianity, 
that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected from the dead and that this means something for us. It's not a concept to avoid or sweep under the rug. Nor is it a thing on which to fixate or be completely settled about. It is a gracious gift to engage however we can, humbly and honestly. And it's actually pretty major in our faith. Now, we Episcopalians are justifiably renowned for holding a middle path when it comes to faith. It doesn't have to be absolutely this or absolutely that. We get to have a spectrum of belief. That's a good thing. It allows us to bring our brains in through the church doors and grapple with religious concepts. I remember hearing an old Anglican saying that addressed the importance of going to confession. All can, some should, none must. About confession. Is that how we feel about believing in the resurrection? All can, some should, none must. I don't think so. We are meant to wrestle towards embracing resurrection, however we can. Grappling is good. It means we don't have all the answers either way, that we are humble enough to still be confounded. In today's gospel text, Jesus insists that death and marriage will be absent in the afterlife. (laughs) That's good news for some of us, I suppose. (laughs) By extension, none of the concerns of this world will cross over with us. Injustice, oppression, hatred, and fear all will be left behind. Jesus' vision of the resurrection is qualitatively different from our present reality. The point he makes is that all our worldly preoccupations, our Netflix cues, our diets, our strong or weak beliefs, will be subsumed under God's loving faithfulness. And we will be like angels, like beloved children. The nature of God's transcendent world cannot be captured by human categories or thought processes. It's a, it's a comfort, actually, to see that age as so different from ours. Incomprehensible, yet still a promise held out to us by a loving God. The woman who married seven brothers is now free, no longer defined by the roles that society forced upon her. She is now an angel seen for who she really is, a beloved child of God. As we wrestle with our beliefs, may we come closer to realizing how beloved we are in the eyes of God and see how we too will become like angels. Amen.